are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, the topic of my the message uh, this morning is called uh, Plan B. It's a series that I've been doing, and this whole uh, get up here is, have you ever been driving somewhere, and then all of a sudden you come to a road, and the road is closed, or maybe even this morning at church, you're coming to church, and then it's like road closed. It's like, well, I always go that way. How am I going to get to church now? And, and uh, you know, a couple of these empty chairs, people maybe just are still standing there just waiting for that road to open up. Like, like who knows? But um, um, I really believe that the Lord wants us as a church to prepare for amazing things. Amen? You know, I picked up Ernie on Monday night, and he flew into Edmonton at 10.30 p.m., and uh, that got us into Coal Lake around the 2 o'clock in the morning mark. And when, uh, when we're driving, we're just kind of talking and sharing a little bit. And just between Bonneville and Coal Lake, almost in the Coal Lake area, uh, the northern lights just kind of popped. And it was just kind of one of those really neat God moments. And we pulled over, and there was nobody on Highway 28 there. And we got out, and we looked at the, at the northern lights. And it was kind of like, you know what? My plan was to get Ernie from the airport to the home safely. But God's plan was when he got to Cold Lake to say, welcome, son. And we just never know what God's going to do when we just say, God, it's not about our plans, Lord, but it's about yours. Every single one of us in here, we like to make plans. We like to know what we're doing. We like to have things all organized. I remember when I asked my wife to be my wife, I had a plan. How many guys had a plan? How many guys winged it? All right, that's cool. But my plan was to go to Niagara Falls. And I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. And uh, to go to Niagara Falls and to get down on my knee and open up the box and, and propose there, but I had it all organized that I was going to give her a, a fortune cookie there. We are going to just kind of have a little bit of a snack, and when she opened that up, it would say, will you marry me in the fortune cookie? And I had it all planned out. So Cindy was not expecting this. You know, I was in a, a, a Bible college at the time, and she knew that I had a hard time buying a cheeseburger from the Wendy's 99-cent value menu, and, and a ring was not an option. And out of the blue, my dad, and you have to know my dad. My dad is one of those guys who really doesn't say a lot, doesn't usually call me, and, and when he does call, it's just more to say, hey, how's it going, or, or do you remember the name of whatever, right? So when he, when he called, he, he said, son, I don't know what you're thinking about this girl, Cindy. He says, but I want you to know that I have, I have your grandfather Steve's ring here. And if you want it, you can take the diamond and put it into whatever setting you want. It's yours. And all of a sudden, God opened up that door, and I made up this plan, and I, we, we head down to, we drove down to Niagara Falls. And on the way to Niagara Falls, we stopped at a restaurant. And the restaurant was called Plain and Fancy. It's a great little restaurant in, in, in Prudhoe's Landing, just outside. If you ever get a chance to go there, it's worth it. It's a great place. And when we pulled up there, I, I gave her a, a rose in the restaurant. We had, a, had it all on camera and just kind of, playing around a little bit and the um, the uh, bill comes and they say can it, is there anything else that you would like and I said no that's it let's just uh, we're, we're just ready to go and that was a big mistake 
Cindy is a coffee drinker, and I am not a coffee drinker. Now, I got the ring in my pocket. It's burning a hole in my pocket. I'm wanting to get this done. I'm wanting to go there, and, and, uh, and Cindy goes, actually, yeah, I would like a coffee. And I said, Cindy, you know what? Why don't we, why don't we get a coffee on the way? Like, you know, we, we can st- go through a drive-thru, or, or after Niagara Falls, we'll get a coffee. I said, can we just have the bill, please? And she goes, no, I really want a coffee. I'm like, honey, let, let's just go. Let's just, and she goes, fine. How many guys know when a girl says fine, it's not fine? <laughs> it's not fine. So all of a sudden, I got the silent treatment. And I'm driving to, to Niagara Falls, and I'm like, oh, Lord, this is not what I planned. This is not good. So I'd say, I'd say to her, hi, baby, how you doing? Good. You're not good. And I would just kind of try to warm her up a little bit, try to use some charm, and nothing was working. And so I said this, and you know what? This is something that I would say all the time, so it wouldn't have ruined the surprise. But I said this so many times, and I said to her the, these words. I said, if I was to ask you to marry me today, what would you say? And she would always say this. I would say yes. Oh, that would be just such a good day. So I, I pulled that out. That, that, that will get her. I'll start, start talking about marriage. So I said, if I was to ask you to marry me today, what would you say? She says, I don't know. I would think about it, I guess. I don't know if you're the right guy for me. So all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, no. And, and, and we went down there, and of course, I presented the ring, and uh, all was forgiven. But uh, the way that I had it planned didn't work out. I hit a roadblock. Plan Bs, by definition, are harder. They're a lot less appealing. I would never wish a shattered dream on anybody. But I found in my own life that when those Plan B situations come, they have a way of stretching us, don't they? Causing us to draw closer to God. This morning, we want to look to the Word of God to help prepare us for great things. This morning, I want to look at the life of Joshua. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory with Joshua. Joshua's parents, they were raised in captivity as slaves in Egypt. And Moses brought the people out of Egypt. And when Moses got to the Jordan River, he sent across 12 spies. Ten spies came back with a negative report, and two spies came back with a positive report. Do you know what those two spies' names were? Anyone? Caleb and Joshua. They came back with a great report saying, you know what? We can do this, but that, that those 10 spies that brought back the negative report just filtered through the people, and all of a sudden, the people walked in fear where they're like, man, we're grasshoppers. We'd, Lord, why would you do this to us? It was better in Egypt. At least we had food. At least we had safety. God, why would you take us out here to kill us? So that started the, uh, uh, the Israelites on a 40-year journey through the desert where they did nothing for 40 years but grumble and complain. Anybody know someone like that? Turn to your neighbor and say, I know someone like that, but it ain't me. <laughs> Amen? So as they're doing that, they're grumbling, complaining, and then they're, the, that generation is slowly starting to, to die. They're slowly starting to get there, and in fact, Moses dies. And let's pick up the story from there, from Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites across the Jordan River, into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. 
whenever you set foot on, you, you will be on the land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness to the south of the Lebanon mountain to the north, from the Euphrates River to the east, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who led these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I will give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instructions. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my commandment. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So the Lord makes a promise. If you trust me, if you follow me, I will be with you. He also tells Joshua, I will be with you. I'm not going to fail you. I won't abandon you. Then he goes on to solidify deep into Joshua's spirit three times. But you need to be strong and you need to be courageous. There's a difference between strong and courageous. I think all of us here can be strong. All of us here can work, walk in that place where it's just kind of like, you know what, I know what I'm doing, I'm strong. But I think there's a lot of even leaders in our world that are strong leaders, but are they courageous? Joshua later was going to be tested in that whole area. But how important is that for us? How many times do we allow fender, uh, fear to hinder our spiritual walk? We need resistance to become stronger. And the biggest way to measure courage is through fear. What would the body of Christ look like if we walked in that place and we to totally trusted and believed God in that scripture that says that I have not given you a spirit of fear, but that of love, of power, and of sound mind? Imagine the church would catch that. The church in North America would be radically changed. Fear is something that I believe that has gripped every one of us in this room at one time or another. It has to have. Because it's a tool and a tactic that, that the enemy uses to be able to neutralize us. In fact, the Lord says, I, well, like I said, I have not given you that spirit. I remember when I was a little kid, probably around Lucas's age, I went with my dad to work. He worked at a campus college. And that night we went and watched, um, the, 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 the people were watching movies in the great room, and I went in the great room as a, as a little kid, and my dad was a security guard there, and I watched Friday the 13th. That's what they were playing. And then after Friday the 13th, uh, that spirit of fear came upon me that I slept on my parents' floor for three months until my mom and dad finally said, you know what, son, either get out of our room or we're going to rent your room out. And I didn't want that to happen, so I moved back into my room. But as an adult, we have struggle with fear too, don't we? You know, I remember, like, I, I, wa I watched this TV show, and, and I was into it at a time. I was into CSI. And I don't know if, you, if anyone's seen that episode where Quentin Tarantino directed it. But in that episode, Nick Stokes, a bad guy, comes and gets him and buries him alive. And when he wakes up, and he's under the ground in this coffin, he starts to to scream and he starts to move but of course he can't move and 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 you can see an intense fear that comes upon him and when that happened 
all of a sudden, I felt this claustrophobic thing happen that I had to go outside and I had to get air. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, oh, that was awful. But yet, it affected me where I was having trouble sleeping. I would go to bed at night, I'd close my eyes, and I would see that vivid picture. And I would all of a sudden start, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. I would go outside and I'd take a breath. And I prayed and I said, God, you need to break this in my life. I'm losing sleep over that, this. And all of a sudden, we had Dan Baker come by the church. And, and I really try to respect, as, as speakers sleep, uh, stay over at my place, as we billet them, I really try to respect a speaker because I know what it's like to travel and speak. And I know that when you go and you pour out your whole heart, you're ministering around the altar, and then you come back to somebody's house and they're like, hey, now it's my time. I got you personally one-on-one -on -one, and they just want that private time. I, I try not to be that guy. So I try to bless them and give them that space. But I said to Dan this one night, I said, Dan, would you pray for me? I said, I'm really struggling with something and I just can't seem to shake it. And he says, what is it? And I told him the story. And Dan said, you know, Lance, what is that? I said, it's, it's just a television show. He goes, yeah, it's just a television show, man. I'm like, I know, Dan. I know it doesn't make sense here. But all of a sudden, this, this, this thing comes upon me where I just can't, I seem to can't, not, I just can't battle it. And we prayed, and I went to bed that night, and again, that, that thought came into my head, and I felt that spirit of fear come upon me. And that night, something changed. And I started in my bed, I started laughing. And when I laughed, something broke in the spiritual realms, and I'm like, wow, you don't have authority over me anymore. And then it changed, where it's just kind of like, you know what? I can think about that now, I can talk about it now, and it doesn't disturb me, because I know that God has set me free from that stuff. It's simple, it's little. Some people are like, that's crazy, man. Why would that even bother you? I don't know why. But it opened up some kind of a door that really bothered me, just like you have struggled with some area of fear in your life that we need to surrender to God and say, God, here, take it. So the Lord tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. And then he tests them in this area. And we read that in Joshua 3, verses 12 and 13. Now choose 12 men from the tribe of Israel, one from each tribe. The priest will carry the ark of the Lord and the Lord all, of all the earth. As soon as their feet touches the water, the flow of water will be cut off stream and, and the river will stand up like a walk. Let me give you a little bit of a geography lesson if you don't understand this. See, the, the, mount, uh, of the, the mountain re region there was all between Lebanon and, and Israel and uh, Syria. And there's a big mountain region there that is normally, it's Mount Hermon, and that, the whole mountain's there, and it's normally covered with snow, even in, the, in that warm climate, because it's so high. It's 7,000 feet above sea level. But then every year, during the summer when the heat does come, the mountains melt the snow, and then all that water from the mountains stream into the Jordan River. The Jordan River then travels from 7,000 feet to the Dead Sea where it ends, and the Dead Sea, as it ends there, is at 1,300 feet below sea level. In fact, the, the, the Hebrew name for the Jordan River is Yarden, which means descent, because it travels from such a distance down, from up to down. You can imagine how that river would travel when the water was just, would be uh, flowing into it, you can imagine the speed of that, that, that water. And the Bible tells us in Joshua 3.15 that it was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing with its banks. Did anybody watch the news this summer and see the Bow River flooding? 
did you see that that one picture of the bull river just going and there's a bridge and it was just like the, the water's about this far from the uh, under the, from the top of the bridge and it's just flowing so heavily and all of a sudden a house roof comes down and hits that bridge and just explodes picture that that that's the jordan river and the lord says i want you to walk in there like it's kind of like okay, lord that's not wise god lord i don't know if that's even safe because as soon as the priest take this is not just a little stream it's kind of like what's the big deal this is a mighty rushing river in the height of it it's overflowing it's coming down and it's absolutely terrifying what's your plan b where is god asking you to take a seemingly impossible step of faith for the israelites the jordan marks both a literal and a symbolic boundary for it is what stands before them in the promise and then boom it starts to flood you know what those plan b's they totally get us to rely purely on god i can imagine the levitical priest man that must have been such a such a neat thing they, they, they must have kind of fought for the position to be able to lead the ark of the covenant you know it's kind of like the ark of the covenant if you touch the ark of the covenant the bible says and you weren't clean you'd be dead so here's these guys kind of like you know what i'm going to carry the ark of the covenant i'm going to be the one who leads this and it'd be like the procession look at me i'm carrying the ark of the covenant and i'm alive because i am a chosen one of god but on that day the guys who were at the front they had to go in first and i imagine it's kind of like you know what I, i'm just not feeling well today you know, I, I, I wonder if, uh, if Saul there, you know, would you mind coming and taking it? Ah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the back today, and I'm going to stay in the back. That's where I want to be. I don't want to be in the front. I can see this arguing and this bantering happening. It's terrifying. But yet the Lord says, be strong and courageous. And let's read what happens. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the uh, water of the river Jedge, the water above them at that point began breaking up a great distance away from a town called Adam, which is near Zarephan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry and all the people crossed near the, the, the river, uh, the town of Jericho. Man, I think the plan A there would be, God, we got a whole bunch of people who are now, we're, we're following your promise, God. We're going to move into the promised land. And Lord, with Moses... He just stood there and held up his arms and you parted the water. Could you do the same for me? Like, like, I think that would be better, Lord. Or you know what? Maybe even better, God, is if we build a bridge. We'll just work on that. We'll build a bridge and then we'll all cross there. Or even better, Lord, send a fleet of helicopters. Just take us across that river and boom, we're golden. But yet the Lord wanted them to step into that place of fear. To say, you know what? Be strong. Be courageous. I'm calling you. Many of us in this room, we're going to be tempted and tested in this area just as Joshua was. We're going to walk in that place and that dream's going to come where the, where the Lord says, you know what, I'm calling you to be able to be a healing light to this world. I want you to release a healing power in you. And you're like, that sounds awesome. And then all of a sudden you're at Tim Hortons and you're just having your coffee and the Lord says, there's someone over at that table there and they've got whatever, I want you to go pray for them. And you're like, okay God, here we go. And you turn to that table, and it's a table of 20, and they're just kind of sitting around having coffee, and you're like, oh, God. What happens if I pray for them and nothing happens? What happens if I pray for them and I fail? 
So all of a sudden, you sort of back off and say, you know what, maybe, maybe this isn't God speaking. It's just me. I'm just thinking some crazy thoughts. You know what, maybe you're at the airport, and the Lord has called you to be an intercessor. And intercessors are strange people. Intercessors are normally in private, and they, they tear down strongholds in their prayer closet. Usually an intercessor by trait is not a forefront person. They don't like to be in the spotlight. So intercessor, you're at the airport, and you're getting ready to go wherever. You're at gate 58A. And all of a sudden the Lord says, I want you to pray right now because something's happening, and I need you to pray right now. Get on your face before me. And you're like, okay, God, I'll do that. Where's the washroom? Where's the chapel? And God says, no, right where you are, kneel right now. And the airport's just hustle and bustle. People are just moving. And you're just like, oh, God. Like, kneel? Kneel? Like, as in, on my knees, where people are walking around? Because people are going to walk by and go, what is your problem? Man, you're, you're, a, you're a speed bump then. You know, it's just a, oh, sorry about that. I didn't see you down there. And, a, oh, you got a black eye, right? Like, like things are going to happen. It's kind of like, God, I don't want to do that. Why don't we want to do that? It's fear. Fear gets in there, and the Lord is going to challenge us and say, I'm calling you to something greater, but I need you to do it, but be strong and be courageous. What's your Jordan River? What's your plan B? Where are you asking God to take you that seemingly impossible step of faith? Maybe you're in a relationship this morning and it's falling apart. Perhaps you have a hidden addiction and it's just eating away at you. Maybe you're in a financial hole that you can never dig yourself out of. God's words for Joshua are also for us. God is saying, I've already gone ahead of you. I'll be there for you every step of the way, son and daughter. I've occupied the land, but you must choose to step into the Jordan River, whatever that may mean for you. God keeps repeating, be strong, be courageous. So I wonder, how did Joshua overcome it? How did Joshua get to that place? Because, you know what, after he crosses the river, then there's another problem, isn't there? He comes upon that massive wall, walls of Jericho, that the impenetrable walls. And the Lord says, you know what, I just want you to march around them, and then you're going to shout, and these walls are going to come tumbling down. Well, Lord, that doesn't make sense. Like, what happens if we march around seven times, and then we shout, and we become hoarse, and that's all that happens? God is calling us, my friends, to get out of our comfort zones, to get on our face before the Lord and say, God, I don't want to just be a Christian by name, but God, I want to be a Christian by function. God, I want to step into that place that, Lord, when you speak to me, I say, yes, God, here I am. I'm ready, God. And Lord, if it's uncomfortable, if it's challenging for me, then Lord, help me to hear you, what you're saying and trust that you've got my back. Because those same words that are written in the word of God for Joshua and the people of Israel, of Israel are for us as well. God's got your back. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you. I am your rear God. I will restore the years that the locusts have stolen from you. And we step in that place and say, God, I am a son. I am a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When we truly understand and believe that, our lives will never be the same. Because I believe that the majority of the body of Christ are living like paupers and not like kings. Because we're afraid. 
we're afraid to step out and take a challenge, take something that we can't do on our own and say, God, I need to trust you in this whole area. And we take that step into the Jordan River and all of a sudden, once our foot touches it, that's when God moves. It's nice when God shows us the way. It's nice when God parts it. It's nice when God makes that bridge, but that's not the way that the Lord always does it. Would you come, Ernie? So how does Joshua do it? How does Joshua overcome fear? This morning, I'm going to share a secret to the kingdom of God. If you're wanting it and if you're hungry for victory in your life. But in order to see this key, we must look at the Joshua's life earlier when Moses was still around and he was being mentored by Moses. Let's read Exodus 33, verse 7 and verse 11. It was Moses' practice to take, to take the tent of meeting and set up some distance from the camp. And everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. There's the secret. You know what, I think sometimes we think, and you know what, I've had that whole thing that it's kind of like, Lord, I don't really understand something, God. Because Lord, you hear some people say, well, you know what, you need to be on your face an hour every day before God, and you need to read your Bible every day, and you need to do this kind of stuff. But Lord, I know that I'm saved through grace and not through works. So where's the balance in that? The balance is, yes, we are saved by grace. Yes, it's not dependent upon us. But when we step in that place and we have relationship with God, then God is going to be able to, to trust us with the little things. And then when he finds that we're faithful in the little things, then he can release the big things. But my friends, he can't release the big things if we're not found faithful with the little. It's like my wife. You know what? We've been married for 19 years. And to be honest with you, I think we have a fantastic marriage. I love being married. I love my wife with all my heart. But if I just decided that I would speak to her every Sunday and that's all I would ever do, guess what? I probably wouldn't really know her. I probably wouldn't really know what makes her laugh, know what makes her smile. I wouldn't know what her favorite types of flowers are. I wouldn't know what her favorite color is. But when I get to spend that time with my wife, guess what? I enjoy it. I love going away and just having a weekend with just me and my girl. It's one of those things that we just kind of do in our relationship. But it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. You'll be able to sit in that place and say, God, I know I'm going to heaven. And Lord, I know that my name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. But God, that dream that you gave me, God, Lord, what do I need to step into to be able to see great things happen in this world? God, what do I need to, to learn in this season that I'm in? You know what? There's different seasons in life. And some of those seasons are very, very difficult. And we're in the, when we're in those difficult seasons, we have a choice. We can grumble and complain and just say, God, this is not fair. 
Or we could sit there with our maker and say, Lord, for whatever reason you're allowing this situation into my life, God, what can I learn in this situation that you couldn't teach me without bringing it? Most of you here know my story. The most difficult season in my life was probably that 10 years where I couldn't have kids. And I would get angry with God. I would weep. I would cry. Cindy and I would have arguments and disagreements over it. And it was just such a place of tension. And it was kind of like, God, how can I, as a pastor, stand up to the front and pray for people who come with massive needs of healing. If, God, you're not healing us, what's wrong with me, Lord? And we went on this journey with God just to kind of find out what's wrong. Lord, what's wrong with us? What's wrong? Lord, is there sin in our life? Is there something that is there that, God, we're not, we're not giving over to you? And we turned over rocks, and we turned over rocks, and turned over rocks. But you know what have we learned in that 10 years? we learned that if we had have just enjoyed the season and said, you know what? Right now we can go anywhere in the world without having to get line up babysitters or without having to do this kind of stuff. We can go out for dinner whenever we want. Let's enjoy our time together as a, as a couple. And then when 10 years later, when the promise came, we are more ready to be parents. But yet we struggled. And we wrestled, and we got angry, and we, we cried. Oh, we cried. And I think the Lord was just saying, son, I've got the promise. I just need you to trust me. I just need you to rest me because there's nothing you can do to fix it. It's me who fixes it. I am the God who heals thee. And then all of a sudden, when his timing came into fruition, boom. And be honest with you, I am so glad that we waited 10 years to have kids. All I can speak is for myself. I know some people have kids right away and bless you. But for me and Cindy, we were two messed up people. And if we hadn't had kids when I wanted kids, man, they would have needed an ancient past for the way that we would have parented them. Because we were all over the place. And God had to work with some stuff in our life to pave the way for the next generation. My friends, plan B. They're scary. Plan B. They're challenging. Plan B. We cry. We get angry. And God's speaking this morning saying, will you trust me? Because I got your back. I haven't left you. The word says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Sometimes the heavens are brass, and it's like, God, where are you? It's like, I got you, son. I'm carrying you right now. I'm with you, daughter. I need you to trust me. My friends, as the worship team starts to enter us and take us back into that place of worship, if Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now and saying, son, daughter, I want you to trust me with everything. 
I want you to be strong and courageous. I want you to be able to step into that place that few will go. Then I just encourage you just to, just to stand to your feet and say, God, that's me, God. And Lord, I want what you want from my life. Because God, I want to be the best Lance that I can be in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. 
not finished yet, O oh Lord. Death, you know Christ is gone. Here's to a new beginning for your God's love and healing. Praise you, God. Death to the past, Lord. I am a new creation. May the Lord bless you and keep you. If you'd like prayer this morning, I'd love to pray with you. Please feel free to come up to the front. But I'd like to also dismiss this service at this time. May the Lord keep you and be with you. And may he challenge you so deeply this week. Because he is a great and mighty God. Amen? Amen. God bless. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.